Real Talk listeners, back by popular demand, we have A.J. Muller here. Welcome, welcome, A.J. I, I feel like you need no introduction. Like, our <laughs> listeners know who you are. <laughs> when I see your number pop up on my phone and you're asking me to come back on, it's, it's always an honor. I love being here. Thank you so much. Super exciting. Well, thanks for coming back. We've been going through conversations. We've been talking about quiet quitting, quiet firing. We've been talking about organizations like Starbucks and recently Apple with two locations unionizing and how there's been shifts from an employer to an employee market. There's a lot going on in the workforce right now. And in technology, there's like 10 plus percent layoffs going on in the organization. So what better way to talk about all of these transitions and positions and new markets and all this demand going on right now than to bring AJ on and talk about how we can help people move forward. So yeah, super excited to have you here. So AJ, how are you feeling about the market right now? Just like the market, I have my ups and downs. You never know waking up what you're going to get, what market shift is going to happen, what the new headline or the new trend or the new TikTok fad is going to be. Every day, it's just take it as it comes and deal with it. Yeah, for sure. We're hearing a lot from our friends, from our colleagues, from our clients about the difficulty in standing out in the recruiting process. And we've talked in previous podcasts before about how challenging, particularly with the great resignation. I roll my eyes every time I say these words. I don't know if you've noticed, but (laughs) how difficult it is to be kind of in that life of a recruiter because it's this revolving door, if you will. But it also, because of that challenge, We're creating recruiting processes that just feel disconnected. People don't feel like they're hearing back. They're not sure what they've done wrong in the process, what they should do different with the next job they apply for, because we're not getting a lot of feedback on what's going right and what's going wrong in the process. So one of the things that we talked about was resumes. But what we really want to dig into is that first step, which is talking to a recruiter. And that piece, I think people find scarier than talking to the hiring manager, because the minute you say (laughs) recruiter, you realize you're saying a professional who does this for a living. What if they see through my ghost and magic mirrors, and I'm not what they're looking for. So let's talk about some advice for those folks to get started in prepping for an interview. Well, I want to open by saying recruiters, whether they're internal at the company you're applying directly to, or on the staffing agency side, they're on your side. They do this for a living. Most of them do it because they enjoy getting people hired. They're not going to push you through if you don't have the qualifications. So there's no need to lie and there's no need to be standoffish to a recruiter. They have on the staffing agency side, it's no secret. We make money by getting you hired. So obviously we're on your side. And on the internal corporate side, they have numbers to meet just like sales reps do. They have goals to make, positions to fill. They're on your side as well. So we're always trying to help. I know I personally, if I have a candidate that has a resume that may be just a little bit out of shape, could use a tune-up, I will absolutely 
this quick, give it a tune up before I send it over to my client to give them the best possible chance. You know, presentation is everything on a resume, even coming from a recruiter. A lot of recruiters don't have the direct connection with the hiring manager or the HR personnel, especially at larger companies where they're just submitting your resume over and hoping it gets recognized. At smaller companies, it's a direct handoff. For instance, I can pick up a phone and call any of the hiring managers or HR professionals that I work with and say, hey, what's going on with so-and-so's resume? But that's not always the case. So listen to the recruiters. They're on your team. And I love that spin of that perspective. You know, what I'm hearing from you is that your goal is to try to help me find the right fit for me. And if I don't come, if I don't show up as who I am, then you're not getting the true glimpse of what you need to put me in the right roles. Correct. One thing that I'm immediately listening for when doing initial pre-screen interview, typically I do them over the phone and not on Zoom. I'm old school, so my ear is more tuned in than my eyes are. What I tell everybody is the one thing that most people forget to bring to an interview is their personality. The days of walking into a professional interview and being so strict and uptight, it doesn't really work anymore, especially in tech. It's very much culture-driven. And these cultures are, I don't want to use the word fun, but they're a lot more open, a little bit more relaxed nowadays. They want to see your personality. They want to make sure that you're a good fit, not only on paper, but with the team, with the culture of the company. What kind of homework would you suggest that an applicant do before their first interview, for their first conversation? We're going to call it a conversation and not an interview. With the recruiter or with the hiring manager? With the recruiter. Some recruiters will tell you what to do to prep for the hiring manager interview and others don't. But one good thing to always bring to the table is knowing about the job or knowing about the company and not just their mission statement from the first page of their website. Look into articles that were written or newly published about that company and reference them in the interview. It shows you did homework a little bit beyond just 30 seconds of reading their mission statement. Tell us a little bit about kind of taking it to the next step from there. Obviously, it's really important for individuals to come and have things in their opening, have prep from that discussion. But what additional insights can you provide from the insider's perspective? Don't lie. Don't fabricate. Be honest and truthful, especially to the recruiter. Because a lot of times, if you're not a good fit for that role, the recruiter may have something else that you're a good fit for with your actual true skill set. So don't lie just to try to get in for one specific role. There may be others out there that are even better fit, possibly even more money for all you know. When you say don't lie though, let's talk about that because if there are some extreme challenges going on in an organization, but you were always taught to not be totally negative about the organization, but I mean, you're going to lie on that answer, right? You're having challenges. There's a way, obviously, to polish it and redirect the conversation, but it is not necessarily telling the complete truth when asking why you're leaving your current employer. So I was talking about more about skill set and exposure to Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in tech, different languages or whatever it may be. But for that question that you just referenced about why are you leaving your employer, you can be brief about it. You don't want to go in depth. You want to say, you know, it's just not a cultural fit for me. It's not the right situation. Whatever the case may be, just be very brief about it. If you're a little bit nonchalant about it, the person's going to receive it that way. 
and not dig into it. If you make a big deal out of it, they're going to ask more and more questions and keep drilling down. That's actually really good advice. In fact, AJ, I don't know that you know this. I can't remember if we've talked about it on a podcast or not. Maria does. I left a job because it was incredibly toxic. In fact, took more than a minute to get over the toxicity to kind of unpack and become myself after it. And I answer that question honestly when people, very similar to what AJ just said, when I'm asked why I left my previous organization, I said it wasn't a right fit for me. I wasn't able to flourish under that environment. Now, in my situation, they did probe a little bit deeper and I went with honesty without accusation was what I decided to go with. And so what I wanted to be really clear just to be truthful to myself was I wasn't going to take it on myself because it was absolutely someone else's toxicity. So there's no way I was going to go, I wasn't right fit for them. So I didn't want to own it, but I did want to be honest with them. And so I, I dug a little bit deeper and simply said it wasn't a cultural fit where I could truly show up to work as myself and contribute the way that I wanted to. And so it was better for me to leave than it was to stay in that environment. Correct. And in my opinion, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry you were in such a toxic environment. I'm glad you're out of it now. The way you answered that, I think is absolutely perfect. It's not polishing a lie at all. It is stating what you're comfortable telling. You don't want to put it all out there, especially in an interview with a stranger at that. And most hiring managers or HR professionals have enough, we'll go with common sense, to realize that it's not something they want to keep digging and digging and digging into. They're not going to dig down that. It doesn't have professional relevance. You answered the question, honestly, we can move on. I think if someone were to dig down on that, that would be a red flag for me as a candidate for that company. What additional advice can you provide from an executive presence level? I know you take a look at different levels. So obviously we're taking a look at some entry-level aspects, but also like when you're on the search, what are some tips and tricks from a resume or conversation when you're taking a look at higher level positions? At higher level positions, I highly recommend to align yourself with a recruiter that is specialized in your field and possibly even an executive level recruiter specifically, because they're much more in tune with that market. They have those connections depending on your level. Sometimes just a courting process can take four to six months. You know, I've seen C-level executives where it takes 11 months for things to really transition into them stepping into a new role. So it's a very long process and you want somebody that is accustomed to that, somebody that has those high level connections and somebody that is not typically entry level in recruiting because they're not as polished as a more astute experience level recruiter would be that is not only dealing with C-level executives, but working directly beside them to fill people that are going to be working with them. So I would say definitely do your research on the recruiter talk to one, make sure that you feel comfortable. Sometimes people just don't connect. As long as you connect with that recruiter, you feel they're doing good, you get the warm and fuzzies about them, work with that recruiter and see where it goes from there. 
I love that you said that because a lot of individuals at the entry level of an organization don't realize how much time it actually does take sometimes to find their C-suite or their executives. There's a lot of thought that is put into the interviewing process that people really don't think about. Even before the interviewing process, typically at the C-level, if it's not an internal promotion from someone that was a director or or VP and then moved up, they're taken out of another company. They already have that level of experience. And sometimes they're poached out of those companies. That poaching and that courting process alone, just to get that C-level executive's attention to present the job to them can take multiple months. At that level, most executives, they don't take calls from everybody. They don't answer recruiter emails. (laughs) So you have to have those relationships. And that's where that experience and just having a career in staffing at that level really comes into play. Let's pivot over to the tech side of things. So we've obviously (laughs) seen over companies downsize and conduct layoffs in organizations. And we've seen, you know, them cut anywhere from 10% plus of their staff based on the current economic outlook that predictions are modeling at the time. A lot of those are actually really A-star people. And I've seen like engineers and different type of roles that have been in high demand for the last couple of years now fall off. Are you noticing or do you see any concerns with these types of positions out there in the market right now with people having such massive layoffs in this specific position or industry? Well, in tech, I think that the layoffs are more of a result of appeasing shareholders than it is of downsizing. Stocks have dropped. Companies need to trim the fat. It happens. And I think it's a trend definitely within tech. Yes, some of it has to do with the economy, but I think a lot of it just has to do with appeasing shareholders and almost using the economy at the wall to pull over the sheep's eyes. That's some fighting words. I think AJ started out creating some uh, tension amongst the market over here. I don't know. You know we do like tension. We do like tension. Um, Maria, you're spot on. And, you know, we feel that way, too, when it comes to organizations. What we're seeing is there's an absolute shift in employees where there is an expectation now. Um, historically, pre-COVID-19, A lot of people were just happy with the status quo. And now, whether it is really tenured employees that have walked away or even newer generations entering the workforce, there's much greater expectations. Now, on the opposite side of that, we're seeing a lot of businesses really knee-jerk react to that kind of revolving door, whether it is hammering down on return to the office or what are commonly now called trap agreements that require people to pay back whatever the cost of training was in that role if they don't stay for a certain amount of time. Signing bonuses that you have to repay. And a lot of companies are making the mistake of going with what I'm going to call negative reinforcement to try to hang on to people versus really asking, what are we doing wrong that keeps people from wanting to be here? I couldn't agree more. And to go back to tech and the layoffs, things like that, 
I personally, besides appeasing the shareholders, we can't forget that we did a transition of working in an office to working from home, and especially in tech. Tech was the big industry that now is even front-running keeping work from home. But that doesn't work for everybody. So when you have a transition like that overnight, there's going to be 5% of your staff, 10% of your staff that is not well-versed or just can't grasp working from home. It's a different environment. And I think that's where a lot of the layoffs are happening. It's the, people, it's the underperformers now. And I know Facebook is saying that to reference one of the big tech companies that's doing layoffs, but I truly do believe it. I don't believe a lot from Facebook, but I do believe that they are cutting the underperformers because of that transition to work from home and people are doing what they want. There's not keystroke trackers or anything like that. People are only working an average of 30 to 32 hours a week now, as opposed to the 36 to 38 they used to while in the office. Those other two hours while in the office were spent coffee machine, going to the bathroom, you know, talking to friends and stuff like that. But now people are working less. And for every five employees now, they're almost losing one with the amount of less hours that people are working. So I understand about cutting the underperformers. I don't think that has anything to do with the economy. That's just good business. As for the companies having to change their culture, I almost want to say the writing was on the wall for that. Tech has been the fun cultured industry for a very long time. They've been the ones that have been more about balancing the ages and sexes and races within the workplace. Tech is a very difficult industry to do that within, but they have been really focused in on it. And the fun type of environment they have, ping pong tables, lunches and cafes and food trucks and all that fun stuff. It's been like that for a better part of 15 years with the tech industry around. Of course, everybody wants to work there. We have now people that are retiring that were in that very buttoned up suit and tie type of professional era. And we have people that are more accustomed or grew up alongside seeing tech. Companies should have pivoted a long time ago, in my opinion. You know, if you're losing workers because you're still what I would consider to be an old school type of culture, that's on you. The writing's been on the wall. Love that. Well, great. Well, AJ, super, super excited. Thank you so much for stopping by Real Talk. <laughs> uh, once again, we are super excited to have you and we will welcome you back because we have some more. Actually, you are going to see AJ very soon. So stay tuned. Oh, I like that. <laughs> All right. Bye, ladies. Have a great All day. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.